Exchanging Reels, a bi-weekly podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity in cinema one reel at a time. We do so by revisiting overlooked and underappreciated films. My name is Courtney Small. I'm joined today by the wonderful film critic Christian Lopez, whose work has been published in various publications, Hollywood Reporter, Roger Ebert. Those are a few of the big ones, but she's pretty much everywhere online. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm good. My regular co-host, Andrew Hathaway, he's on hiatus the year. He's focusing on his work, and he's also producing a video game, which is going to be coming out, I guess, at the end of this year. Uh, so you can support him by going to his Patreon account over at can'tstopthemovies.com. And also, if you feel generous, take the time to visit the Modern Superior podcasting, oh sorry, the Modern Superior Patreon account, as they are the podcasting network that hosts our show. We like to start off each episode by highlighting one short film that you can watch online for free. Our short film today is the 2002 film, The Psychology of Dream Analysis. The film tells the story of Lillian, a woman who discovers her dreams are not her own, but that of a mysterious man who she has never met. Kristen, did you get a chance to watch this short? I did, and I watched this before I scrolled down to the bottom. So, like, we watched this on Vimeo, and it doesn't tell you who directs it until unless you scroll down. And and so I watched it before I scrolled, and I saw that it was directed by, by Rian Johnson. And I was like, okay, well, that makes me feel terrible then for saying I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all right. So what didn't you like about it? You know, well, I mean, this, aside from, you can't really complain about the fact that it's low budget, and it looks it. You know, it looks like it's filmed on somebody's, you know, HD camera, camcorder, you know, outside. I mean, that's that's all incidental. My my issue more with the story was it's really a relationship drama that plays out in this dreamscape. But the main, the lead is the female. So she kind of goes through all the pitfalls that I, I feel women are often subjected to in relationship dramas. So like worrying about how he thinks about her and the other women that he's with. And, and there's really really i mean it's a it's a 10 minute short so to say characterization is is absent kind of defeats the purpose but she just doesn't seem like she has much of a personality as a character if i didn't know that like aside from angela bettis who's the narrator it's just a very nondescript short that i hate i hate to say it, this might be mean it just feels like he watched inception and was like i'm gonna do that only with the relationship interesting because for me i took it more as a more as a dramedy and i can see your point about we don't get enough of the lead character lillian in terms of her life outside of this situation but there was something maybe i just in in the approach that i found fascinating especially in how she becomes obsessed when she starts to see that she is in his dreams this mysterious man's dreams and i didn't take it oh i guess you're right she does view herself through his eyes but i think she just liked seeing herself in a light that she doesn't often see herself in because it gets to the point where i felt that he becomes more of a vessel than anything she doesn't really care too much about him as a person she just tries everything to do so that she can see herself in this dreamlike state i know i found that fascinating because I, I think the guy doesn't even get a name in the credits he's just known as dude like he's he's just an entity for me it was more about her her addiction to to herself that I that I found fascinating. I can see that. I can see that. For for me, I think that it's just one of those shorts that does really nothing to distinguish itself. So it's easy to become spaced out from it. I mean, Angela Bettis has a very soothing voice, and it's a very quiet short. There's not a lot of it's. I think that the 
the problem I have is if had it not been 100% voiceover, you know, maybe had there been dialogue between the characters, it doesn't feel very kinetic. Maybe that's maybe that's what I, I, I think it's missing. That is a very good point because pretty much we're getting everything from Bettis. Like, I'm trying to think of if we even hear Lillian speak. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, because there's a point where she meets up with this mysterious stranger who, I guess, majority of her life she's been, or all of her life she's been dreaming his dreams, and it's a chance encounter that she's willing to brush off, and then I guess fate has them connect again, and that's when she starts to see herself like he you know she's planted the seeds in his mind and she cares more about nourishing that plant but once you get into all the real relationship stuff then as with many relationships that initial glow and your partner on a pedestal kind of diminishes and she takes that the wrong way so even when they have their relationship issues and he's moved on and she's getting visions of other women i found it interesting that anger wasn't really that he moved on it was just that she was no longer on that that pedestal but as you said we don't we don't hear her speak at all, so a lot of this is we're just going on, has to, I guess, based on what the narrator is, is telling us is, is happening. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there are some good ideas. I love the ending. I'm one of those really morbid people, so when you're talking about, like, death, I, I always find how directors kind of deal with that. So, spoiler alert, the end of the short ends with her murdering her lover and wondering if she's going to dream about essentially what he's thinking now that he's He's dead, but then it culminates with her dying in her sleep, kind of like that Cheng and Ang type of symbiotic relationship. Sounds like somebody was really watching like Dead Ringers one day and decided they wanted to steal the ending. But but I, I did appreciate that. I thought that was very unique. And again, it kind of shows how destructive love can be, you know, that the concept of the broken heart manifesting itself literally i also found that darkly comedic because she goes through this experience the cops are coming to arrest her for the crime she's committed she dies and then the narrator's like but well, she died you know these things have no sense looking into it whereas everything else in this film the narrator has been over analyzing and, and telling us to look deeper and deeper and with the death is like ah that's just life you know so i did like that as a as a nice book end to this short i agree quality of it isn't that great but even um johnson had on the video link that recorded this on dv and what they uploaded was a rip from a dvd copy or something so you know i was willing to ignore the the overall look of the film based on that but i just i don't know i found it interesting i found it amusing will it linger in my mind some of his feature films do probably not but i don't know i thought for what it was it was amusing i think you can definitely see the roots of what he would end up exploring in stuff like like breaker or, or looper that concept of time and the emphasis on dialogue the emphasis on the destructive relationship so as a piece of history in his filmography i thought it was really you know you can tell a lot about a director's interest based on their first films and i think you can really tell now that i know it's ryan johnson who directed it you can see the the stuff that he's interested in that he would look at in his actual film work we're gonna take a moment to change the reels and then we'll be back with our feature film of the day Our main film for today is Open Your Eyes, the 1997 Spanish film directed by Alejandro Amenabar, who gave us films like The Others, starring Nicole Kidman, and The Sea Inside with Javier Bardem. The film focuses on Cesar, played by Eduardo Noriega, a playboy who thinks he's met the love of his life in Sofia, played by Penelope Cruz, but finds himself in a downward spiral when he's involved in a 
accident that leaves him disfigured. If this premise sounds familiar, that's because Tom Cruise was a big fan of Open Your Eyes and starred in Vanilla Sky, Cameron Crowe remake of the film, which also starred Penelope Cruz. Uh, Kristen, do you want to kick us off on your thoughts on this film? When you suggested this, I was very excited because um up until yesterday i had only ever seen vanilla sky i i'd seen vanilla sky a couple of times i actually watched it right after i watched this movie yesterday so i'm very well versed in in the movie and the original i i like elements of it i but i think the remake does certain things better i think this one does certain things better it's really a good example of how two different directors can approach a story and tell it differently as a standalone piece I was I was telling you before we recorded this is Amenabar's second best film for me. I think the others is his best, but this is really really good. It's hard for me to judge it because I'd seen Vanilla Sky so many times. So you know I'm, I'm constantly kind of like comparing that movie to this. I do think this movie does the job of really making you dislike the lead. You know Caesar is kind of a dick he's not kind of he is he is you know he's constantly treating women poorly and then when he meets Sophia you're supposed to believe there's this grand change and much of the ambiguity of the movie what you know you could take it literally that he is is he seeing the woman that tried to kill him the reason for all of his his um issues or is he projecting is he trying to come up with a means of ruining this relationship or is it the ending of the movie which i think does it's still wonky in both movies but i did like it i loved penelope cruz in this movie i like her in this more than i like her in vanilla sky because in vanilla sky she's just cameron crow's manic pixie dream girl here she's actually a person i i thought she was really good i love the look of it even though it's 1997 it it feels very different i i liked it but again i i don't know how much i liked it because of itself or because i'd seen the remake (laughs) I will agree with you on a few things. Penelope Cruz, I completely agree that I found her work as Sophia in this film far more interesting and engaging than the Cameron Crowe one. I like the Cameron Crowe film, but I guess on the flip side to you, I like the original a bit more. And it could also be because, like you, I saw the original version first and I've seen it several times and then when Cameron Crowe came out with Vanilla Sky like you I always had this one kind of in the back of my mind and I also agree with you about Cesar just being a horrible person uh, what I liked about this film though is as bad as Cesar is I was still interested in his journey and also what was going on with the world and especially when you start to bring the notion of of dreams and reality which happens pretty early on i think one of my issues with vanilla sky is i felt that crow tried too hard to explain every little minutia of of how that world works in the film whereas i like that in this one there's a lot of times where we're seeing cesar as like the normal playboy and then one minute we're seeing him truly disfigured tom cruise still looks pretty good even though yeah, it just kind of looks like Tom Cruise with a, a slight... On the grand scale of disfigurement, he's like Gerard Butler in Phantom of the Opera, disfigured. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even his mask, I would say, the Tom Cruise 
mask, which I guess it looks a little more common. Even that seems to still kind of fit his face well enough that he didn't look as odd as this weird type of mask that, that Cesar is wearing in, in this film. Yeah, Cameron Crowe's version of this movie is bigger is better, you know? So everything that this movie has, I feel Cameron Crowe tries to talk. So, you know, the movie's opening, this, this opening, which there's questions on whether Open Your Eyes did it first or Devil's Advocate did it first, where where Caesar is walking down the, the city streets and there's no one there. You know, in, in here, it's just, I it's unclear where it's set. It's just a major metropolitan area. In Vanilla Sky, it's Times Square. You know, so it's just like grandiose. Tom Cruise does not want to play his character is a villain. This character is a cad. So, I mean, I think Cameron Crowe just does things in a very Cameron Crowe way. It very much feels like this, uh, his movie. Here, what a, what a Menabar does, and I think it's something that he seems to explore in his other movies. I think of something like The Others and even Agora, which is a terrible movie, but it's got commonalities, is that concept of the character that is so selfish that feels that everything revolves around him, that makes so much of his problems at the detri- to the detriment of everybody around him. So in this case, it's, it's Cesar who is disfigured and then proceeds to berate everybody in his life for not feeling how bad his life is. So he goes to this nightclub with Sophia and his, his best friend. Mind you, he stole Sophia from his best friend, but they're all going out and it's just one big pity party. And mind you, This movie, I think, emphasizes more than Vanilla Sky does that up until this point, Cesar and Sophia have only met each other once. And he proceeds to just like lay all this crap on her about how horrible his life is. And so I think this movie, more than anything, really makes you feel that this guy is kind of the world's biggest narcissist. So you find out later he's creating his own hell. It makes sense because, you know, what the character's been kind of a jerk the entire time. That is true, and that was one of the things that I was thinking about re-watching it again. And I've, I've seen this film several times before, but there was something about this particular instance where I was like, man, Cesar's really a horrible guy. Like, I, I remember that, yes, he steals Sophia from his, his pal who was really into her, and they have that brief encounter. And I love the way that Amenabar stages some of the sequences, at least they had the one encounter before the accident, but there were several encounters afterwards. As the film unfolds, you start to question did those encounters really happen. But yeah, he is horribly selfish through the entire way. Like everything that's happening, even when he's talking to the psychiatrist, it is all about him kind of whining. He he's very wealthy. He's he's looking for a fix. He wants to get his beautiful face back because he can't go on. And even when he's talking to some of the surgeons, and they're like, yeah, you know, unfortunately we can't do anything this time, but there's far worse things in the world. People are dealing with far worse issues than what you know what you have with your face here. And he he's acting as if he's on death's door. It really is all about him. And then you have the self comparisons to he's like Phantom of the Opera and destroying the mirror when he sees himself. Like he feels he's this this tortured hero. Exactly. He feels he's this this you know sensitive artiste who has like had his life destroyed. It's the beauty of the beast story. That's what he thinks. You know that that he you know can can the beautiful Sophia love him even though he's so horrible looking. And I do applaud them for actually making him look pretty grotesque. You know as we mentioned, Tom Cruise 
just has some like decorative scarring on his face and that's about it you know and I also think what's what's unique and I don't necessarily know if it works as much mostly because it works differently in Vanilla Sky in in this movie Caesar is wealthy uh, because his family is like in catering I think it is so there's this class issue but it's not a huge part of his personality. We don't really learn much about it. Whereas in Vanilla Sky, I mean, we make Tom Cruise Tom Cruise. Like, he, he's his dad owns this major company. He's partying with rock stars and stuff. Again, because it's Tom Cruise. You can't just make him some dude. But, but here, you know, what I, I really like about this is that the movie really wants to call out kind of those entitled men that feel that they are the center of the universe. So when Sophia, he feels, is replaced by his his ex-girlfriend, Nuria, who tried, effectively tried to kill him, you know, he's got no recourse because he doesn't know her last name. He doesn't know where she lives. And I think that that's a really great Cameron Crowe's version does not give him an out for that because they give her a last name. <laughs> but here it's that idea of men, like you can't do that. Most, not because, you know, your ex-girlfriend's going to pop back up from the dead, but just the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't leave you any plausible deniability to say you aren't using somebody. Yeah, and he is very much a user throughout this. And I, I like that you brought up the, the point about Nuri, especially her not having uh, a last name because when we first meet her you think okay she's the girlfriend and then you find out that oh she's the one night stand or maybe they've had several situations before he's he's really cold to her to the point where she shows up to his birthday party which he clearly did not invite her to and is openly flirting with another woman right in front of her and when he gets in the car and you have the whole scene with the accident and the despair at no point did I feel sorry for him. And I think, as you stated, in his mind, he expects the whole world to feel sorry for him. But there's there's nothing that he does in this film that really begs for our sympathy as much as he thinks he, he's trying to, to get. And when we see the towards the end, when he starts to see... Sophia as Nuria and starts to question what is real and what is fake and even even his response to it like he's pretty much brutal to Nuria before the accident and then even after he's very violent to her and how things unfold there that I think with Sophia you only had a brief encounter with her once didn't sleep with her you actually had a a human moment and you could just see that entitlement that he thinks all right life is good I've met the the woman of my dreams like but you don't really know that much about her I'm sure sure his friend who he stole her from probably knew a lot more about Sophia than what he's constructing in in his own mind. Well, and I think, you know, this, what Amenabar and Crow end up doing are two very different things. Amenabar's take on this, this material is all psychological. It's all this, it feels like a grander metaphor for relationships. And when it does finally turn into the third act with the arrival of the life extension, you find out what really happens. All of that seems irrelevant because the grander scheme of this movie is to look at how people self-destruct and, and hurt other people, mostly because they want to feel special and how if we had second chances, what we would do differently. Again, that's something that Amenabar looks at in a lot of his movies. The Others is a, a movie all about life and death and this concept of being able to create a second chance and, and right wrongs. Um, Cameron Crowe's version is all about emotions. It's all about people. It's all about empathy. You feel bad for 
I don't I didn't feel bad for any of the characters in Open Your Eyes except maybe Sophia, but because you're supposed to believe that most of her what we see of her is a conception created by Caesar. You don't really feel bad for her because you don't really know if any of that's true. Whereas in, in Vanilla Sky, you feel bad for everybody. Not necessarily Tom Cruise, but some, especially Cameron Diaz, who plays the Nuria figure in, in this version. It's Juliana. You know, she's, she's a, a very sad, pathetic woman who has only seen her worth validated by this man. And so... You know, I think I think both of these movies tell the same story in a very unique way where one is all analytical and metaphorical and the other one is very emotional. I think for me, I liked the more analytical aspect to it. I I agree with you that Cameron Diaz in Vanilla Sky, I really cared about her character. When they have that sequence in the car and she's, you know, reading them right act about how you can't yeah, play different scene and in both movies have have that moment but they put the same dialogue for the most part and they are very different emotion wise yeah there's there's something about diaz's performance that she really like they, they they're both filled with with anger but i felt that diaz really captured that every person or in, in this case that every woman that you know has has been in that situation you know and really lets men know that you can't be doing this stuff. I, I thought she executes it perfectly. Why I like Open Your Eyes a bit more is that I find um, Vanilla Sky tends tries a little too hard to make you to like everyone. And I think part of that has to do with all the pop culture references in the film. And I know it's a Cameron Crowe film. I know pop culture is central to a lot of his works. But even when they're explaining about his um, construction of Sophia in his mind and how he saw this film and like this album cover, like I felt that it was a little too too it's much. It's Cameron Crowe putting in his favorite thing. Exactly, exactly. It, it, that's for me. That's it takes me out of the movie. And it's like, oh, okay, here's this reference. Oh, there's going to be a board scene. And there's Bart Simpson in the background. Like there's, you know, I found that it that took me out of the film and and I. I didn't necessarily connect with all the emotion that the film is trying to, you know, because a lot of it then is like, oh, okay, that's, again, my mind's thinking something else. Where in this film, there is a coldness to it, especially because, as we said, these are such an unlikable character. But I think that watching such an unlikable character self-destruct, but in a way where he thinks that he is the victim, is more interesting to me. I, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I think he does a, a good job in Vanilla Sky, but there was just something about him. Like, I didn't need to know all about his father's company and how they react to him after the accident like those things just felt a little a little forced for me it took away from the mystery and i like that open your eyes is a mind bender for a, a good portion of it and it just it respects the audience enough to just say all right you will put the pieces together we're going to give you a few clues but just go with it whereas crow is very much okay this is what we're going to do this happens and now here's where we explain why it happened and I, that i found just takes me out of, the, of that film a little too much. I think what, what Crow does best is the third act. 
back, which I think doesn't really seem, Amenabar doesn't really seem that interested in the arrival to the life extension thing, which seems to come out of nowhere. Even though we see clips of it throughout the movie, it really never seems to gel like it does in the Crow version. And I know Crow took a lot of flack for how the third act plays out, but I like it a lot. Because you're watching Caesar and, and the, the psychiatrist have this discussion. And then at the end, you, you it culminates with them, with again, everybody disappearing. There's this big shootout and the psychiatrist should be dead, but he's not. And we're still not really sure how that happened. I think the explanation of what has happened feels a bit wonky and again because Sophia and him only have this one interaction and the movie reminds us of that which it didn't have to but it does his decision to jump back to life essentially feels more like an independent an act of independence and not you know a second chance at love or anything like that I don't know how I feel about the fact that Amenabar wants to say at the end that him and Sophia, this was not this grand love story. But I don't know. I don't know. The, the endings of both movies are very weird in the slight, the slight changes that they make. But at the end of this movie, at the end of Open Your Eyes, when he makes that decision, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, that happened. <laughs> For me, the the ending of this film is is very much him wanting to get his life back, but not necessarily his life with Sophia. One of the things he wanted was that last image of the version of Sophia that he would love to have. But after all that he's been through, he's I I feel like he would whether or not he does actually wake up or go into another dream. That's another thing because I think this film leaves it a little more ambiguous than Vanilla Sky but I feel that he would be the type of person that would get up from this experience say all right let's have that surgery let me get my face back and kind of go back into how his life was before he might he might not be as cruel to some of the people but I still feel that he would dip into his old ways whereas Vanilla Sky yeah I guess I, I do get the sense that Cruz's character has gone through a, a deeper change in terms of the last acts for both of them I, I agree they're both a little messy uh with with open your eyes i find that's when the film adds most of its comedic moments and i don't know if it necessarily works i feel though that in many ways the this film is almost like a stepping stone to working out the ending for the others yeah Again, with you i'm a i'm a huge fan of the others and i feel that like watching this film reminded me a lot of how he handles the the reveal in that film and i feel like this again this is just working out the kinks that he perfected in in the others yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense too yeah but this is just kind of a test case you know the the end of this movie which the camel crow version try did an alternate ending that was very similar it had the shootout and all that and it didn't work and crow cut it into what it is today crow is really interested in the life extension thing at the end and this creation of a living dream which i think they ended up using for Black Mirror in the San Junipero episode because they seem very similar. But but here, yeah, I just kind of left the movie thinking, okay, so Cesar gets a second chance, probably to do the exact same thing. What's the point of what I just watched? You know, it didn't feel like there was a catharsis. Um, and I think that that also, it, it doesn't help. We have Kurt Russell in Vanilla Sky who plays the psychiatrist character. And they want you to see him as kind of this amalgamation. They actually say that it's an amalgamation of Tom Cruise's, the father that he wanted him to be, which I really liked their dynamic. Here, you don't get that, which I felt would have been nice to have more of this bonding. But I mean, the, the psychiatrist is 
a utility, essentially, for Cesar's dream world. I did want to go back really briefly to Penelope Cruz, because this was one of many films that kind of put her on people's radar. And I think she's, A, she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. And B, I think she is one of those that is either utilized really well or utilized really poorly. And watching this in Vanilla Sky, I was a bit taken aback by the fact that this movie, she's nude. And in Vanilla Sky, she's not, which I was kind of like, okay, so I hope she negotiated that because good for her. I'm never not going to find it weird that both movies have a murder scene in the midst of a sex scene. That always bothers me. That, yeah, I found that, I've always found that disturbing. It's more it's more disturbing and overt in Open Your Eyes than it is. It's very Hollywood in Vanilla Sky. Yes. Here, it is very disturbing, but I think the Hollywoodized version of it is more disturbing to me because it's almost like a, oh, this kind of happened, and let's move on. Whereas this one, it, it really, you really feel uncomfortable. I always find it weird when Hollywood movies or even TV shows, like we can talk about any CSI, NCIS, whenever the the victim is female how kind of and it has to involve sex how casual it's portrayed it's done in a way that it's oh this is bad but not so bad that you feel like you need to turn off the tv you know it's okay it'll get better whereas this one every time i see that scene i i still kind of shiver a little bit because it's, it's i find it really un unsettling yeah i think it, at least in this movie more than cameron crowe because america is a country of prudes and our sex scenes are just incredibly prudish in i'm trying to think of a way to say this delicately a uh, menabar does not shy away from the fact that these two people are having sex and that she the woman is being murdered in the midst of it whereas cameron crow the way the camera cuts and the way that the move the lack of movement you're kind of like oh are they having sex maybe no there's like no way shape or form to doubt in in a menabar's film that like a and b are together um so that that i think is what does it for me but at least the sophia character the way the penelope cruz plays it and again a lot of the scenes here are recycled in crow's version but crow really and again this is just a test case for when he would make elizabeth town which actually nathan raving coined the term manic pixie dream girl it's all about conceptualizing her as oh she's audrey hepburn oh she's she's this figure from an album cover here it's the fact that like cesar doesn't really know her he, he doesn't really know what to make of her because he doesn't know her so it's why she's so flat you know it's why she's so even in the moments when they're together it's not this grand love because he can't think of anything to add to her because he doesn't know what to add. And I think that's the saddest thing of the movie and, and of his character is that he's so selfish. He can't even think of a way to make a woman perfect short of just making her crazy beautiful. Yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of uncomfortable moments to their scenes. Like there's the, the classic scene in the rain, which I guess for him is romantic, where he finally meets up with her after he's had the accident. And, you know, one of her sidekicks is being a, a mime in the park. And he stands there for hours, basically forcing her to, to look at him. And then they finally connect. And for him, that's a romantic moment where the whole time you're watching this, you're like, oh, that's got to be brutal for her. He not only messing up her job at that moment, but 
you're putting her in a really uneasy position. And then as we, we mentioned, there's that club scene where she agrees to meet him at this particular nightclub and she has to bring his best friend along because she doesn't want to be alone with this guy. They only had that one encounter. She's always put in a very awkward position, whereas for him, he sees it as romantic because she's beautiful. And I think Cruz does a, a wonderful job in this film conveying that uneasiness. And I had seen some of her other films prior to when I saw this one. So I saw um, Hamon Hamon, I saw Belle Epoque. So I knew her from her Spanish films. And one of the things that always bothered me after Open Your Eyes is when she tried to make, I guess, the leap into mainstream American films, a lot of times they put her as just the, the pretty face, the pretty love interest. I guess Blow gave her a bit of dimension, but not that much. It took her a while before they really started to utilize her proper. And I think part of that's had to do with her making Volver, the Pedro Almodovar film. Like, again, she had to go back to Spanish cinema before people started to realize, oh, wait, she's she's actually a really talented actress. She's just not a, a pretty face. She's just not a, a cute Audrey Hepburn-looking actress. So I, I wish that her career, at least in American films, had started off a lot smoother than it did. Yeah, I think that stuff like Blow, Blow especially, and I love Blow, it really played up that she was the new Latin spitfire. You know, that she's like, she plays the crazy, essentially what Sofia Vergara has kind of taken on the mantle of. And then you get other stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean, where she's just kind of the hot girl. I think a lot of it is, is that the U.S. is still very unclear back when she started about what to do with with Latina actresses, you know, and I'm hoping that now that we're slowly seeing this push into more diverse portrayals of Latinos in, in cinema that she'll get some good American material. I mean, really, I think the, you know, stuff like, and I hate to say Woody Allen, but Vicky Cristina Barcelona, I mean, that's, she's able to pick good directors to work with, you know, but then she gets stuck playing the sex object and stuff. I think of something like, I'm going to throw out another problematic movie that I think has some merit, something like The Counselor, where her character is literally pointless, but she's just hot. So I, I want her to do better stuff because you see her Spanish work and she's so good, even in, in even in Vanilla Sky. You know, there's this lightness to her. There's this uh, this freeness. I mean, you can understand why Tom Cruise's character would be willing to jump off a building at the thought that maybe she's waiting for him on the other side because she's freaking awesome. I, so I just I wish I wish Hollywood knew how to use her better. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I have to correct myself because I forgot all the. My mother came out before Volver, so but again, it's Pedro. Like you know, she. I'm I'm just doing a quick look at her filmography and all the really great roles are her Spanish ones. And I agree with you, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I think she's great in that. I actually think that's a a really good Woody Allen film. But then she was also in To Rome With Love where she was pretty much the sex object. So Or, or, Or something like Nine, you know? Like there are so many movies where Penelope Cruz is just the hot chick who might take her clothes off and i'm just like hitting my myself like come on <laughs> yeah I got, was it gothica i think she oh, was yeah. the, the, the unstable patient and i can't remember i think she was okay in that but that movie was horrible on so many so other bad. levels yeah so it's like when she does give a really good performance then the film itself is is not doing her her justice but i again i think she is great and open your eyes i i don't know what the rest of the cast has done i'm sure they're probably still working but i don't know if they have really i think they're they're looking at penelope cruz being like how did we miss this boat (laughs) 
we see from the director's standpoint, he's gone on to big things, and I know his career's been kind of up and down based on your view of his films, but I think he had especially a really good three-film run. He did, and then he went on to make no good movies again. (laughs) Well, I haven't seen regression yet um but i I heard it was a bit of a misfire but he does have a new film in the works and i'm hoping for for good things because i feel the the good filmmakers can step out of bad ruts Uh, i just watched uh first reformed the paul schrader film i don't know if you've seen that one with ethan hawk and um, i'm not i've been i've been stuck hearing everybody say how great it is surprisingly good schrader's films have been kind of all over the place of late but i don't know i found this one really really interesting and that had ethan hawk who was also in regression so you know it just takes one or two films to to get back on and he's a director that i will always be interested in his work um, partly because of this film and as you as we both agree, the others I think is fantastic. I don't care what people say. Yeah, no, the others, the others is flawless. I don't care how how people feel about that. That movie is perfect. And oddly enough, has Tom Cruise's ex-wife at the time in it. So go figure. But yeah, I, I think this is good. I think that the others is the high point. I've not seen The Sea Inside, but I have seen Agora. Just boring. It's just so boring. Even though it has a very young Oscar Isaac in it, it's just very boring. And then I, I heard Regression was, was pretty terrible. But I'm hoping, you know, some, some directors just go through, like, low points. So I'm not going to say it's a fluke yet. <laughs> I think he's a director who has a lot of talent, great vision. And I like that we can have a film where there is a, a Hollywood remake and we can have an interesting and engaging discussion on the pros and cons of of both versions of it. Yeah, I I would agree. I I definitely recommend watching both both this and Vanilla Sky concurrently if you can because it's again it's it's one of the great examples of how two movies can be made by two different directors from two different countries and be very different films. I mean, Vanilla Sky is 90% this movie. I it's it's not quite shot for shot Gus Van Sant remaking Psycho, but it does have you know the same basic story a lot of the same dialogue. So I would I would definitely recommend it. I think this movie is challenging on a on a psychological level. And Penelope Cruz is really good. Eduardo Noriega is really good. I like that you have kind of dirty characters that do terrible things and then end up in this nightmare shellscape. Whereas Cameron Crowe's take on the material is very emotionally charged. It's because it's about Cameron Crowe at the end of the day. It's about Tom Cruise. So it's, you know, very witty, very bluffy at times, very romantic, beautifully shot. So I definitely think they're they're both worth watching. Yep, I completely agree with you on that point. Kristen, where can folks find you? I am all over the place, but you can find me on Twitter at journeys underscore film. You can also listen to me, Wax Rhapsodic, about classic cinema over at Ticklish Business podbean.com that's my podcast as well as my other podcast citizen dame which is a weekly show you can find at citizendame.podbean.com excellent and you can reach me at our twitter account at changing reels ac or if you want to get in touch with me personally i'm on twitter at small mind thank you for listening please take a moment to rate our show review our show especially if you have an itunes account because we appreciate it every feedback is good feedback and remember you can change the conversation on diversity one reel at a time been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.